Uh, some of you may be familiar. That's the Hall of Faith, Heroes of Faith, if you will. <clears throat> that is a series that kind of towards the end of last year, uh, our youth walked through it. And right now, actually, started this past week, our 12 and 22 uh, begin to walk through it through our emails and our daily devotions and so I just felt the Lord was leading those are it's really for the youth it was about an eight-week series uh, I don't know how many weeks it'll break into for our for our 12 and 22 so if you guys would give me about three or four hours I think I should be able to knock the whole thing out and we can be out of here okay it'd be just in time for David to get up here for our evening service so uh Anyway, as you turn there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break us open in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, I come to you. I just thank you for your goodness, your grace. I just pray that you would just uh, speak through me this morning. Father, hide me behind your cross. I pray that you would be glorified. Uh, I pray that each and every person would respond in a way that's pleasing to you. And I just ask that through this message, we could see uh, that we can have a hall of faith-like life even today. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. I don't know about you guys, but for me, uh, many times you look at Hall of Faith, whether it be sports, rodeo, all the different things, business, the Hall of Faith, or Hall of Fame, excuse me, that they have. Uh, it can be a little, a little intimidating. Those are the guys on the top. They've done it the best, right? Uh, because we look as maybe an average Joe, and think, I could never do that, or I could never be that good, or do those things. Uh, and that's kind of how sometimes I think the hall of faith, the heroes of faith can be. We can read about these men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, and get a little bit of a mindset of, well, I could never do that, or I could never be like them, because I'm not near good enough, uh, I've made too many mistakes, I've done too many of the wrong things, in my life, but that's not true. You, we're going to look at these Hall of Faithers, and the first thing that we're actually going to see is each one of them have sinned. Every one of them. Each one has sinned. You look at Noah. Uh, we don't know a lot about the first two, but I can promise you that they did sin. That's Abel and Enoch. Uh, Noah, he was a drunken sailor. Abraham, he was a liar. Sarah, she laughed at God. Anybody ever laughed when God said, Hey, I'm going to send you here, have you do this? Uh, Moses, he had a bad temper. Anybody got any bad tempers in here? Uh, he also tried to put God's will in his own hands before it was time for him to lead Israel out of Egypt. He uh, got mad. I guess his temper flared up then, and he killed the Egyptian, and it caused a little delay in God's plan. And then you have Rahab. She was a prostitute. And then if you go read down, you got cheaters, deceivers, sexual immoral, uh, cowards even. There's all kinds of mess and mistakes throughout the people of Hebrews chapter 11. And so that's encouraging to me, and I hope it's encouraging to you, that we don't have to be perfect to make the hall of faith or live a faithful life and have impact for the kingdom of God. Each one of them sinned. Romans 3.23 tells us uh, we didn't even have to go look at every one of their lives in the Old Testament. Ro Romans 3.23 tells us we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but thanks be to God, even though we've all sinned, and even these heroes of faith, these hall of faithers have sinned, we can all be forgiven. And that's what they 
That's what they knew. They could be forgiven and they were forgiven for those mistakes uh, that they made. And so just like your Hall of Fame athletes or business people that have made it into the Hall of Fame, uh, they started at the bottom, they made their mistakes, but they worked on the fundamentals. It was all about the effort, the commitments that they made. We're going to see as we break open and study into the Hall of Faith, they made their mistakes, they've all sinned, but it was their learning from those mistakes and their commitment to that faith that excelled them and put them where they are in Hebrews chapter 11. So, each one of them has sinned. The second thing I want us to look at is they exceeded satisfactory living. Now, when I say satisfactory living, I think of, now that I'm a teacher, I chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Now that I'm a teacher, uh, those test scores, you got unsatisfactory, satisfactory, and advanced. And as I was thinking about that and reading through Hebrews chapter 11, we look at Enoch in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, and it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so they did not see death and was found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. He pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch, we don't know a lot about him, but one thing we do know, he's pleased God. He lived a life that was above satisfactory. He had that advanced life. And because of it, he was rewarded by, he didn't have to see death. He was walking with God and then one day he was gone. Uh, But he's not the only one. You look at Noah. Uh, and if you go back to Genesis chapter 6, creation, God created everything, it was good, man came in, messed it all up, and in just six chapters, just six chapters, God was ready to do away with it. He was sick and tired of everything that he had created. I'm sorry that I even done it, I'm mad, I'm just going to destroy them all, but he looked down and he found grace on who? On Noah. And why was that? It was because he was exceeding his satisfactory uh, his satisfaction in his living. That's just righteous living. Those were two guys that walked with God. They sought God, and they were set apart. And if we want to make the hall of faith as Christians, we better be living set apart lives from the world. You can't be a hall of faith member if you're leaving here and partaking in the things that the world partakes in and doing the things that the world is doing. And <clears throat> this one to me is a lot of people can come to church and we can talk about it, and we can be here when we're supposed to be here, uh, but, and we can even go into our careers, our, our, our workplaces, our schools, and we can even talk about it there, but how about putting your money where your mouth is? How about you walk the walk instead of just talk the talk? And Noah and Enoch definitely did so. They pleased God. They exceeded satisfaction in their living for Him. And if we want to make that hall of faith, if we want to pass the test, if you will, get advanced, we need to walk with God and we need to separate ourselves from the world and seek Him diligently. And when we do, we'll be rewarded. And so one thing that I want to talk about, back to those test scores, and it kind of goes back with that first point of we've all sinned and those mistakes, is even advanced test scores aren't perfect test scores. There's, you miss them. You don't have to, to get that advanced score, you don't have to have a perfect score. And that's the same thing. We don't have to be perfect at it, but what God's asking us is to be faithful, to remain faithful in Him through, throughout those mistakes and throughout those problems that we may face when we're going through this world. And so each one of them sinned. Uh, they exceeded 
uh, satisfactory in their lives. And that was just by following, walking, and living righteously for the Lord. But then the third one uh, is they, their faith caused an excellent sacrifice to be offered. And I'm going to kind of backtrack to Hebrews 11 verse 4. And that is with Abel. And it says, by faith... Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. So, again, we go back to Genesis and read that story. And Abel, he brings his sacrifice. It's that firstborn lamb. Cain, he brings his sacrifice. It's that, that, those fruits, the grain offering, right? The fruit offering. And... What I mean by an excellent sacrifice is not what we bring, it's how we bring it, right? We look at both of those things, and you can see in the Old Testament where both of those types of offerings were offered. God wasn't looking at what was offered. He was looking at how each one was offered. And when it comes down to our sacrifice, our excellent sacrifice, it's got to be a real faith. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. And that is real faith versus dead religion. And if we aren't offering God through real faith our sacrificial lives, then it's just like Cain. It's a dead religion. Man, you look at Cain's, it probably looked the part. It was pretty. It was colorful. It was artsy, right? Definitely more appealing to the eye than a lamb that was bloody and gory and slain over here on Abel's sacrifice. And that's what religion wants to do. It wants to come into church and everybody sees me and I'm all prim and proper and I, I'm doing the right things or saying the, right, saying the right things, but it's with the wrong heart, the wrong attitude. A real faith comes in and it's genuine and it's not looking to please anyone in the crowd. It's looking to seek God and please God with how he's doing and offering up his life to him. And so it, had, it was real faith and a right attitude uh, that made Abel's offering his sacrifice acceptable to the Lord where Cain's was denied because it was just out of, hey, I'm, this is just a religious thing. It's tradition. I know I'm supposed to do it, but there's real no meaning to me to it. And so uh, the second sacrifice I want to look at is Abraham. Now, we don't offer actual sacrifices like Abel. We are using him as a, a symbol of how we should be sacrificial in our living. And now we're going to look at Abraham, who was sacrificial in his living. The first thing we see with Abraham is he was called out to a place in which he did not know. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. And he was obedient and went. Now, I don't know about you guys. One, I'm, I'm kind of a homeboy. I like it close to home. I don't really care to move far away anyway, but... If I'm in Abraham's shoes and God calls me and says, hey, I need you to pack up your stuff and you're headed out. We're moving. We're going elsewhere. That may be, okay, God, where, where, I'll start packing. Where do you want me to go? I'm not going to tell you. You just go and when you're there, you'll know. That's a little bit harder. That's, that's a sacrifice there. If I know where I'm going, yeah, it may be a sacrifice, but... When I don't know where I'm going, that's uncomfortable. God, I don't, I don't know where, I'm, where am I going to live, what am I going to eat, where am I going to stay. Uh, that's a sacrifice. And he was called to a place in which he didn't go, but he went anyway. And then you look at Abraham later on with Isaac, willing to offer up his own son as a sacrifice for the Lord. 
And again, just a symbol of the real faith and the right attitude. He wasn't mad at God about it. Uh, he wasn't. He just headed up the mountain and said, we're going to do this. Because he knew through his real faith, God, you told me this was the seed of many nations. You told me this was the promise. So I trust that when I give and I'm offering up him to you, that you're going to do something miraculous through it. And he did. He caught that ram in the thicket, and it was there, and it was ready. And so sacrifices. As Christians, we've got to make them. I got it in the four T's of sacrifice. Again, we don't offer an actual, we ain't bringing offerings of sacrifice, but we do it and we show God that He's priority in our life through the sacrifices that we make for Him. The first one is our treasures, right? Our treasures. That's the things that we have. Uh, Luke nine sixty two, and you can read verse 57 through 62 and kind of get the full story but it says a person who puts their hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom and you go read that story and the first one his treasure was in maybe his home right god he says god i'll follow you jesus answers back and says the foxes have holes the birds have nests but the son of god he has no place to lay his head. And so he, he must have liked home. His comfort zone or his place that he felt was, I like my home. I like that I have shelter. I like that I have stability. I like that I have, right? It was comfortable. Maybe he liked his boat. His, he was right there on the lake. I don't know. But he was, in, he was showing God from right there, Jesus, hey, my priority's kind of right here right now. The second one comes, out, follow me. God, I will, but first let me go bury my father. Nothing wrong with these things. There's nothing wrong with a home and stuff. Nothing wrong with family for sure. I hope we all treasure our family. But it should never take priority over God and the calling that he's got on our lives. And then the third one, uh, same thing, follow me. And he answers and said, well, let me go bid farewell uh, to my family. Again, family, not a bad thing. Maybe he was going and he's like, I just got to get some things settled. Okay, son, you're going to take care of the family business or Hey, you're going to take care of the cattle. You're going to take care of... I just want to get things kind of settled in first to make sure that it's ran right before I come back. Well, no, Jesus says, I need you now. And so when he calls, we better be willing to sacrifice those treasures. That may be a career. That may be uh, money. Uh, that may It can look a lot of different ways, but we better be willing to sacrifice it. The second one that I want to talk about is our tithes, our tithes. God asks commands that we give 10%. He said, I just want 10%, the rest is yours. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, the only place that God says, test me in this, and that's in our tithes. He says, test me in this and see that I don't open the floodgates of heaven and just pour out blessings upon your life. There was one businessman, his name was R.G. Letourneau, who definitely had read Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And at an early age, early on in his business, he was actually an inventor, uh, made, invented excavation-type equipment. And he said, I began to uh, seek God and seeing that he said, test him. And so I just bumped to 20% giving. He said, it wasn't long that I was given 20 and living off 80. And that 80% that I was living off of was the exact same as that 90% that I used to be living off of. And he said, so I just tried to do what Malachi told me to uh, and test. And so he said, I started giving 30. And he said, it wasn't long that that 70 was just like 
that 90 that I originally started. He said, I did this and was faithful to test God, just like he said. And he got to where he was living off of 10% and tithing 90% of his income of his profits. And he said, I never missed a beat. My business never missed a beat. He had over 300 patented inventions inventions through the end of his career and so god is faithful and when he says test him in this and he'll open the floodgates he will he's faithful if we'll be faithful to him but not just our treasures not just our tithes also our talents and i let's see it's been a few weeks ago when we went live stream on a wednesday that i did uh our gifts from god and i Use Second Timothy chapter one verse six, and that says, "Stir up the gift of God that is in you," and that lets us know we all have a gift. Each and every one of us, we have one, at least one, probably multiple if we think about it. It doesn't say stir up and see if God put a gift in you. It doesn't say stir up and maybe you'll find something. It says stir up the gift of God that is in you. And we all have a gift. We all have a talent. We all have abilities, and it takes each and every one of us contributing to make the kingdom of God move forward. We all need, we are one body, uh, and we should use those gifts for Him. And again, uh, when it comes to those talents, we all have them. Uh, they look different, and it's not, on, it's not on our terms when we use them, because that's not being sacrificial at all. If I just used my talents for God when I felt like it, then... There's really no sacrifice to that at all. It's when God calls and says, hey, I need you to step up and sing, or I need you to step up and preach, or I need you to lead a men's Bible study at your work, or I need you to go and do this. I need you to, right? He's grabbing you, telling you, you got the talent, you got the ability. Uh, I'm going to put it in you. Uh, Now it's up to you to go and use it. And so stir up that gift. That takes getting in His Word. That takes seeking Him in prayer, that walking with Him and trying to please Him, right? And He will give you that gift, and when He does, you better go use it. And then the last of the four T's is our time, and this is a big one. Uh, I've seen and got to feel here, however you want to, the frustration of being a preacher's kid because people won't sacrifice their time. They aren't committed to giving their time to the Lord. And here's the deal. How I see it is God sacrificed His Son for me, so why can't I give a little bit of my time for Him? And so, time. Sometimes that'll look different. Sometimes it'll be easy. There's times when I've been sitting on the couch. Maybe uh, it's March. I love basketball. Uh, Sitting down, watching some March Madness, some of the games that are going on, pretty much doing nothing. And when God lays something on my heart or calls me to do something in those times, it's pretty easy to give up that time because I'm pretty much doing nothing. Nothing's important. But there could be times, there are times that he's going to call you when you have a hectic schedule, you got a busy day at work, you got family things going on, maybe birthday parties, reunions, events, uh, things that are important to you. But what's more important? God or those things. Again, the one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom. And so we better make sure our time is being used for God. And that is sacrificing time to come here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, be a part of 
our church and our fellowship. That is plugging in. We got nursery. We got Sunday school classes. We got We Church. We got all these. We got cooking teams. We got all these different things and areas to serve that you can commit. And yes, it takes time, but uh, if that's where the Lord wants you, you are to be there. And then. Not just that, but we got outside services, like ministry works. We got, starting in April, church gets busy pretty much through August. You're going to have plenty of opportunities, basketball tournaments, rodeos, revival services, all kinds of opportunities to serve and put your time in and devote it to the Lord uh, to advance His kingdom. Are you going to be there, or are you going to be too stingy with your time? Uh, he wants our time, but not even just in those things. Those are bigger things. How about just your quiet time? Do you wake up and give God your time each morning to get in his word, to pray, to seek him out? God, stick the opportunities in front of me today. Or do you hit snooze because an extra 15 minutes of sleep sounds a little better? Uh, he wants our time. He wants us to sacrifice our time because he sacrificed his son, and so we owe it to him. And so... They offered excellent sacrifices, these heroes of faith. You can go look at each one of them, uh, the sacrifices that they made, but it was all worth it. Now, the last point, and as I close, their faith enabled supernatural power. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, and that is Sarah. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. It says right there, she received strength. When we have a real faith with the right attitude, and we are trusting and believing and living righteously and leaning on him who is faithful to keep his promises, he can give us that supernatural strength, that power to do things that in man's eyes looks crazy right no one's no one expected sarah to have give birth to isaac uh, she was well beyond the age but she had faith and so god gave her strength how about moses moses he's traveling taking care of the flock comes upon the burning bush as he goes over there's an encounter with god there and in that encounter a little hesitant at first i don't know if i'm the man for the job god i don't know that i can do that I don't speak well. I'm just, I'm not sure. Uh, God finally gets him. You can do it. You're the one. Well, at the end of that conversation, what's he say? Well, who am I to tell him who sent me? He says, you tell him that I am sent you. And there's so much power in that statement because he's the am of each situation. We wake up and we need some comfort because we're going through some hard times. He's the I am your comforter. If we wake up and we need some provisions, we're not sure how we're going to get through the day because we need this or that. Well, he is the am provider, right? He gives us peace when we need peace. He gives us comfort when we need comfort. He sends us grace to get through every single day. And so he's the am of every situation that we'll go through. We better rely on him as that supernatural power that gets us through to live an impactful life for his kingdom. And then look at the others. Verse 32 through 35, look at, look at the supernatural power throughout those, those three verses. It says, Hebrews eleven thirty-two, and wh- And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets, 
through whom faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. The power in those scriptures, and it was all because they relied on the power source, they plugged into God Almighty. When it comes to God's power, my favorite verse is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And when I first read it, it may not make sense if you don't know the meaning. The end of that verse says, The train of his robe fills the temple. And that has the meaning back in the Bible days, these kings, they had their robes on and they had these long tails called trains. And the longer the train of that robe, the more power, the more dominance uh, that that king had. That's how you knew. That was kind of a sign of, I'm stronger, I'm bigger, I'm better than you. And so you see these kings walking through the marketplace and they got a big train on their robe, you knew He's powerful. He's dominant. So they would go out to battle, these kings, when, when they had battles. And kingdom would overcome kingdom. And what that king would do was he would take the robe of the king that he just defeated and he would cut the train of the robe off of that king and sew it onto his. And so then it became longer. And so, again, you walk through the marketplaces, you see, and maybe even different colors, different stitching, you knew the power, the dominance there. Well, Isaiah tells us the train of his robe fills the temple. He's powerful, and I can tell you he's undefeated. He's the unanimous champion of the world, and if you will plug into his power source as a Christian, you can have that same undefeated life. 2 Timothy, the verse that I used, 1.6, for stirring up the gift that is inside you, it goes on to say in verse 7, for God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but he gave us a spirit of power. Power, that same power that you read through those scriptures of escaping the edge of the sword and quenching the violence of fire and shutting the mouths of lions and subduing kingdoms and all these different things is the same power that we have in us as Christians by way of the Holy Spirit. The song that says the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, it lives in us. And so we need to go out and live faithfully and plug into the power source of the Spirit so that we can, again, advance forward the kingdom of God, not live in fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. And so, God's powerful. And I'm so thankful that I can go to Him, and He is the am of every situation. Uh, And as I I close here, David and them can head up. Uh, There's one thing that you got to do first to be able to live within that power, and that is plug into the power of salvation. That's the first plug-in you need from Him. And again, I reminded you at the beginning that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all made our mistakes. You can look at everyone in this room and we've got them. Uh, But God sent His Son, Jesus, to cover those mistakes so that we could get into heaven. And that's the power that we plug into for salvation is the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. So I'm just going to ask everyone stand, uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to challenge the Christians first. Christians, are you living a hall of faith type life? Are you walking 
the walk or are you just talking the talk? Do you need to come, ask God to help you uh, exceed that satisfactory life and begin to walk with Him, seek Him? Are you living sacrificially, offering that excellent sacrifice, your time, your treasures, your talents, your tithes? Are you giving that to Him because He gave His Son for you? So what are you willing to give for Him? Are you living in fear? Do you need to come and ask God, God, help me to plug into your power source this morning. I need some of that supernatural power from your spirit in my life so that I can go share the gospel, so that I can go be that light in a dark world. So Christians, as you come, I hope that you're challenged this morning and you respond in a way that's pleasing to God. But if you're lost and you don't know Jesus, I just pray that you would make that decision today. Don't put it off before it's too late. I'll be up here. I know that we got others up here that's ready and willing, if you're ready to be saved, to walk you through the steps that it takes. As I pray, I just pray that you respond in a way that's pleasing to Him. Father, I come to you. Again, just thank you for your goodness, your grace. I ask that you would just uh, be with this invitation. Father, I pray that Christians would respond in a way that's pleasing to you. Father, I ask that if there's anyone here that's lost, that before they leave these doors, they would take care of it. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.